0: Hey listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare with Junkhead with Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Sal Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions.
1: Gore is love, baby.
2: In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead podcast, a horror podcast that to this day still has issues with the texture of the kiwi fruit. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and on today's episode, we're closing out our month-long celebration of horror comedies as we shear up a few laughs out of 2006's Black Sheep. And whether you eat organic or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your sheep shearing hole. And if you can pick up Wi-Fi while you're herding in the hills, you can find us on social media. Uh, We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face, where we have an events tab, which again leads to... Shenanigans!
0: Cyber
1: Shenanigans!
2: And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, May 29th, The following Saturday on June 6th, we are going to have our, uh, not our second, our. our, uh, Multiple if? Multiple if, I believe. Shutter shout out double feature. And Genius, what is the shutter Shutout Double Feature? Oh, it's rad. So it's just like what you would get when you would come see
0: us live. What we would do is you, we have a pre-show that you go into. You're going to get a tab that going to lead you to
2: the YouTube. Well, you don't have to break down the logistics. What, oh, are, okay. what the good oh, stuff they're oh, going to oh, get? Oh, the
0: good stuff, the good stuff. You're going to get a pre-show. You're going to get our Yakety Smackety. You're going to get to see two fucking rad shutter movies that you might not have seen. And then you get to see more of us Yakety Smackety with all of our other shenanigans or FMKs and all that. And sometimes we tippity-type with you and sometimes
2: we don't, but at the same time, it's always a good time. And the films we're going to be focusing on as we we come into the summer months here. Yep, the summer of slashers because we don't want to kill anybody else. (laughs) And we are going to be viewing The Mutilator Uh from 1984 Mm -hmm. and from 1988, Amsterdam. Okay, so The Mutilator, I've seen that. Amsterdam, I can't even say I've seen that. I truly have seen The Mutilator and I've seen Amsterdam. So if that sounds like something you would be interested in, to gain access to that and a whole lot more, all you need to do is become a member of the Screenland Film Family, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash screenland for that and so much more. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Patreon and Film Family...
0: A hey, palies!
2: Here in the month of May, we finally launched our exclusive Patreon content. 200 episodes in, better late than never. It, it, it took us a while, ultimately, but... One of the little perks that we like to give here is to give some shout-outs to the people that are giving us a little love as members of the film family. The bellies. And ultimately, we've talked a lot about things that we truly miss when it comes to just being in today's day and age. Yeah. The, the, the other world ago. Four months, not even? Uh, another time. Another place. And if anything, I am a creature of habit. And one of my habits in my routine, not only do I have weekly podcasts, but also on Tuesdays, there came to be just something that I would do around 9 o'clock in the evening where I would gather with fellow terror movie-loving folks, horror movie-loving folks. You would
0: go to services.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, at the, the cathedral. You would, you would go to services. I would worship at the uh, particular Alamo Draft House Terror Tuesday, where we would have Adrian and Amber programming so many wonderful things. Saw, I've seen so many wonderful films there. But ultimately, not only the films were great, but the community that came together there. And it's so funny because when you're there, when you're there all the time, you start seeing some of the same faces over and over again. Oh yeah, they become familiar. But then those faces eventually go to names. Those names become, you know, friends, and those friends ultimately come into the film family. So this is a shout out to Charles Kraus, who mm-hmm. is a regular at the Old Draft House when we were up and running, haunting the halls of the Alamo just like we were. Indeed, and. And engaging in him online, I was asking, hey, do you have anything you'd like to plug or promote? And he's like, no, I just really miss Terror Tuesday. But did you know, Greg, that over at AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, they have put together their own little virtual screening room that not only includes a lot of the stuff that you'd see at Terror Tuesday, but, and this is this is how they got me, they put together a little customized pre-show and intro.
0: Oh, yeah, they got you, dude.
2: Oh, absolutely. They got you. They and got you. And quite honestly, though, I've enjoyed it because ultimately I have been able to see, for the first time, mm-hmm. Spookies. Spookies? Is, didn't I tell you that movie is rad? Boarding House. Oh, I've never seen that one. And recently, Zombie 3. Ooh. Yes. So, you know what? Thank you, Charles, for that, because quite honestly, as much as I miss that communal experience of everyone being there, we're looking for the next best thing, ultimately, while we transition. And this truly was that. So until – you know, Charles, we can all see – and I'm not – are you going to be hugging after this?
0: I am. Okay.
2: I'm, I'm still maybe doing a, a modified am elbow I, bump. It depends. It depends. It depends. They all like – you know,
0: I don't know – I was going to say I don't know where you've been, but in fairness, if anybody's going to hug me, that's just the caveat that I should give them. You don't know where I've been. So –
2: yeah, you are kind of a petri dish of all sorts of things, my friend. I am, I am. You, the could, hold a, the you could hold the vaccine, you could make it worse, we don't know. <laughs> but no, thank you Thank you again, Charles, for being part of the film family. Thanks, belly. That is something you would like a little bit of. You can join the Nightmare Junkhead film family at patreon.com slash Junkhead. You're rad, dude. Indeed. And speaking of radness, not only am I super excited to talk about the film that we've gathered here before, I'm more excited to tell you and talk about the folks that led me, number one, to this gem because this was a first-time watch for me. Genius, it had been a while. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember I remember seeing it vividly. Well, the gentlemen involved here, you can read some of their works at a number of places, including uh, Bloody Disgusting and Consequences of Sound. But more importantly, at least for me for the most part, uh, they are part of my midweek rotation of podcast uh, as they provide context, laughs, and so much more as they and their guests provide a great, lgbtqia filter for the world of horror please welcome to nightmare junkhead for the first time from the horror queers podcast joe lisbeth and trace thurman
1: hello hi
2: hello hello thank you You guys were so patient throughout all that i
1: <laughs> i really
2: hate now that we have all that stuff to go through and i'm just i'm watching people going mm-hmm, yeah just get to the stuff get to the stuff but you have the patience of cross cropsy so thank you for that
1: <laughs> you're welcome we're used to it too we do the same thing with our guests
2: indeed well before we get to the uh, sheep shenanigans uh, tell our listeners shenanigans that oh prepare
0: them for <laughs> the
1: over and under of
2: bad jokes i'll oh, just stop it right there
1: <laughs> i'm preparing you now
2: but where can they find just you don't... out? oh no throw it out there throw it out add to the fire
1: i was, like, I, was I was like I'm thinking of a good sheep pun don't, just don't bleed us out Oh, ah. See? It?
2: Ooh, that's like next level sheep.
0: And you
1: know humor. what? I see you, what you did there. No, I
0: see what you did there.
2: Oh, Christ there Almighty. So, if you are interested in that, All where right, can they it. find you out there on the social media? <laughs> Please plug and promote away.
3: All right. So, uh, we can be found on Instagram as well as Twitter at Horror Queers and then Trace. Uh, People like to follow him individually because he does movie marathons, talks about weird television shit, so...
1: (laughs) You make it sound like they only want to follow me individually and not you. You're not really giving yourself enough credit.
3: (laughs) I'm starting with you, so you can follow Trace at Trace Thurman with a D in between his first and last name, and then I am at B stole my remote, and that is the letter B.
2: And already, this is the reason why I really enjoy your guys' podcast so much, is the chemistry between the two and the just kind of the genuine joy you have for each other. Um, but before we get into the podcast itself, a question that we always ask first-timers here on the show is, what was it that got you into horror, i.e. your horror origin? Your crime alley. Yes. Was it a, a movie, <laughs> a moment, a book, a relative? But, you know, what was it that made you identify with horror and go, ah, I think I can get into that? Mm-hmm.
1: I love the Crime Alley reference. I've just, I just started doing a deep dive into um, Batman graphic novels because I've Ooh. never read them before. And Ooh. I was watching Batwoman and Hush made his appearance. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to buy the Hush book. And then from then on, I was like taking uh, recommendations from people. And I, I, I've spent like $300 in the past two weeks on various Batman graphic novels. The Long Halloween. Like self-care. The Long <laughs> oh, Halloween
0: is fantastic.
1: I love Long Halloween. I actually prefer Dark Victory, the sequel to it. But um, yes, I'm working my way through them. If anyway, you, you, that and, wasn't my genesis.
0: <laughs> any, anyway.
1: <laughs> I could talk, I'm like, I'm such a kick right now. Right. But, um, no. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, I've because t- we just did an episode on Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island on oh! our podcast, but I honestly think that my, my genesis was watching Scooby-Doo as a kid, because yes. I wasn't allowed to watch like, a lot of the harsher stuff that like, would qualify as legitimate horror as a kid, so it was, it was mostly Scooby-Doo for me and the occasional Goosebumps novel. Now what era? I think it was also
3: he was he was trying to like give his mom like a, the teenage finger because she wouldn't let him watch horror movies.
0: Well, <laughs> so it's a rebellion thing. I'll show yeah. you. I'm gonna watch well,
3: yeah. Friday the Thirteenth Part Six.
1: <laughs> well, so my dad was really into horror and my mom was not. Um, my mom was like grew up very Catholic um, in the backwoods of Louisiana. Um, I mean, my dad grew up in Louisiana too, but he wasn't brought up very religiously. And um, yeah, so I, I wasn't allowed to watch any kind of scary thing, R-rated thing, whatever. And uh, my dad loved doing that, and so he let me watch – so as a kid kid, like, yeah, Scooby-Doo because it's the closest thing to horror I could get. Um, Like, when I got to Goosebumps, I wanted to watch the show when it was on, like, Kids WB or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, well, if you can read two of these books and not get scared and tell me what they're about, then you can watch the show. And so I got two books. I fucking read them. Told her what they were about. Didn't have nightmares. She let me do it. Uh, nice. And then when I was in fifth grade, my dad rented The Faculty. Um, and my mom was was a stay-at-home mom, but for some reason that week she was out of town. And my dad let me watch The Faculty when I was like 10 or 11 years old. So that was the first R-rated movie I
3: ever saw. And I was just kind of like hooked from there. Well, By hooked, he means he fell in love with Elijah Wood.
0: Yes. Well, would. and then, honestly, it's hard not to, like, fall in love with stuff when you have those heartnet weird wings going on that he has in his hair.
3: Oh, God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it honestly, it looks like an equation of some sort that needs to be solved. I cannot take my eyes off it every time I see that flick. I'm just drawn into the, and, and, you know, the fact that it's so weird, that weird... The fact that in Halloween uh, H2O, yeah. he's rocking the same hair. It's yeah. so bizarre.
1: Uh, well, the- I mean, those movies came out within, like, three months of each other. Because I think H2O was his debut film. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, like, immediately he got the faculty. And he yeah, had those fucked up bangs. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. him and Courtney Cox from Scream 3 just need to go on a date or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. I we got a soft place for the faculty in there. And especially Courtney mm-hmm. Cox's bangs. We did, like, a whole episode on Courtney Cox's bangs. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, they- yeah, I have to. Courtney Cox can do no wrong. I'm sorry. I mean, like, th- those bangs, like, you know, aside, she's amazing.
3: And she made fun of them herself on Twitter recently. So yes. how can you not love that? Uh, you know, as,
2: as, <laughs> as problematic as social media can be, there are certain little nuggets that just stand out and make you go, oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of worth it sometime. Um, you grew up Catholic. So were you, was like The Exorcist a taboo film? Were those kind of
1: no I, uh, so it was weird like so m- my mom had seen the extras when she was a kid too it was one of those movies where she had a sleepover with like went to a friend's house for a sleepover and they put it on and of course they all got in trouble later um no i mean i i, I so when i started like w- my mom kind of loosened her grip on the r-rated stuff when i was 14 so like really my my experience with horror movies like that were r-rated it was the faculty when i was in fifth grade there was a week when i was in eighth grade when my mom was out of town again and my dad rented me like I want to say 15 R-rated movies. So it was like from the brunt of the whole Scream franchise to Deep Blue Sea, Halloween H20, the Jeepers, Cre- uh, Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers one. Cause that was the one that was out at the time um, to scary movie one and two, which honestly was the most inappropriate out of all of them. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so then once uh, when I was like 14 or 15, my mom was like, okay, well y- you can start watching some of this stuff. And so I would, we were doing Netflix by disc at the time. And so I just started going through and it. That's kind of how I found bloody disgusting too, is cause I was just, trying to research more horror like the way I experienced horror so much was my dad would watch a movie and then I since I couldn't go see it he would just come and tell me beat by beat what happened for the plot so I would imagine what the movie was and so a lot of my first time watches of these scary movies I had already envisioned or like played a version of them in my mind because my dad had told me everything that happened in them Mm -hmm. and so I just started going through Netflix like and I fucking flooded our Netflix my mom got so mad because she was like we were doing like the one disc at a time plan instead of like three discs at a time and she was like why are none of my movies coming in I was like because I hacked your fucking Netflix account <laughs> and I've been going through all these movies you wouldn't let me watch as a kid <laughs> <laughs> um but what's funny is I actually don't gravitate I, I did grow up Catholic I mean I went through the whole shebang I got I got confirmed when I was a t- in high school and everything which is terrible I mean I'm sorry for me it was terrible I really didn't like it um, if you've been confirmed no offense but uh, I never gravitated towards religious horror I think it's just because like growing up like religion was already horrifying to me um, I mean growing up gay you know especially in Catholicism you're kind of led to believe like oh that I mean yeah I, I was getting preached about how bad being gay was before I realized I was gay and so once I realized I was gay that's when I kind of started moving away from religion. And I didn't really, like, want to watch a lot of religious horror. And so I, I I did eventually see The Exodus, but I read the book first. And that's what I was doing a lot was, like, I was, like, seeking out horror novels. Actually, that's what I did a lot before I even could watch the movies was I would read the books. Because I think my mom thought that they, there wasn't mature content in the books, which <laughs> is very incorrect. <laughs> um and the the actress's book actually scared the crap out of me the movie not as much i think i grew to appreciate that film more over time once i was old enough to really understand the themes it was putting out there
2: no that's and that's what i love seeing just how this stems and then how it grows and evolves over time it's always Mm -hmm. fascinating and then what was your horror origins
3: uh, okay. So I definitely didn't watch a lot of TV and movies when I was a kid, but kind of like trace when my parents left me in the hands of my older sister <laughs> for babysitting so that they could go out and, uh, fuck or go for dinner or something like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, those two options that right. presumably married people do. So my sister would use the opportunity to, like, scare me shitless, and so my <laughs> horror introduction was a Clive Barker double bill of Candyman and Hellraiser Holy shit! I was shit. about, like, 10 years old.
0: Holy shit. That's, that's some heady <laughs> stuff. That's, some, that's, that's, that's basically teaching you how to swim by throwing you into not only the deep end, but the toxic waste deep end, because that's, yeah. that's, that's hardcore shit. And you ate it up, apparently.
3: Yeah, funny enough. I mean, I I definitely had a bunch of nightmares and that kind of shit. <laughs> but, uh, it it sort of set me on an interesting path because I ended up really enjoying some of that darker, more sexual horror as a result. So there was a lot of stuff where people would say, "Oh, this is really scary," and I'd be like, oh, "Yeah, but I mean, it's no fucking you know Julia feeding stray men to a guy who's reanimated in her you know attic or whatever." So. It's not that bad. Right. It's all
0: about context. It's all about
3: perspective.
2: I always remember feeling more adult or at least feeling like I should feel like more of an adult when I watched all those uh, Clive Barker films. So I can only imagine as an introduction how that really it, that doesn't necessarily shape the way you go into. But like you said, you're just like, nah, I really, you know, I'm, I'm good for anything at this point.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Like generic slashers. I I mean, (laughs) I've talked a lot about how Friday the 13th doesn't really do it for me. And I think part of it is that I look at Jason and I'm like, yeah, he's fine. But like, he's not going to come and talk me to death and then like string me up on hooks and. Well, he, hey, right, he's like, hey, if your introduction was this complex horror
1: film, and then, like, yeah, you go back and you watch Friday the 13th, yeah. and it's like, oh, there's it's not like really a... much here to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's
3: yeah. a guy with a bag over his head. <laughs> but okay. why?
0: Why is he doing this? And where's the hooks? Did you <laughs> Exactly. Did you find yourself, like, I mean, are you? I would imagine you're still um, a huge fan of uh, of that. So, the, do you find yourself going towards more of his mythology in the Hellraiser series, or going past, like, Clive Barker's, like, more books? Are you, like hardcore into the Clive Barker now, or do you're like, okay, cool. Let me tell you about this guy instead.
3: Uh, ironically enough, we actually have an episode coming out on a Clive Barker film, but I've, I haven't watched all of his films and I haven't read all of his books. So part of it, I think, It was such a crash course introduction that it was like, this is good. I'm going to need a little bit of a breather for a bit. And then I came back to it and was like, okay, I'll read a Magicka. Okay, that was a thousand pages. I'm going to take another break and I'll be back. I don't think I've asked you this. Have you read like any of the books of blood? I think I've read the first one. So I've read the one that introduces the Cenobites, but I remember thinking, oh, this oh, girl. feels like an introduction <laughs> to things. Like, this is not at all what I was expecting. Um, okay, that's the Hellbound Heart. The, the Books of Blood oh, shit, are, like, like
1: right. his, his six volumes of, like, short stories. The, 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 there are six of them, and there's, like, you know, so many stories per each volume, but, but they put the first three volumes in an omnibus but didn't do the, like, four through six. So in college, <laughs> I read one through three. And that's actually, I think that was my first exposure to Clyde Barker before I even saw Hellraiser. And I just hijacked
3: your origin story. I'm so sorry. that's fine. I mean, I I think if nothing else. Jesus wept. Yeah, exactly. Jesus wept for my origin story. (laughs) No, I think if nothing else, it's proven to me that. It's something that I think Grace and I have come up against a lot on the podcast is this idea of like oh queer horror is this new exciting thing like it's so avant-garde and people are just discovering it and it's like motherfucker look at Clive Barker he's been working <laughs> yeah. here for like 40 years and longer. It's cool to back it now that's
1: that. that's an important distinction I feel like. <laughs> I, yeah,
2: <laughs> I think um, people would probably say no, no, no. I've got my my hand on there. I was there all along. It's fine. Well, I yeah. think that's actually kind of a good transition then into the origin of the podcast itself, because from such humble origins, you find yourselves now, you know, indebted in the world of horror. So, what was it then that ultimately led you to each other and the podcast forming?
1: I, I mean, yeah, most people don't realize this, um, but it, Joe and I have only met once, and it was after like doing the podcast for almost a year before we actually met for the first time um yeah so we both write for bloody disgusting i've been writing there since about 2015 joe when did you start i think in the fall of 2016 okay um and i'm gonna i'll credit joe with this because he's kind of the one that spearheaded it he reached out to me and was like hey like we both write for bloody we're both into horror you're gay i'm gay We, we should do something that's uh like related to like queerness and horror and um I think he had, you'd reach out to me because um, I frequently mentioned my sexuality a lot in my writing, um, usually when it fit the topic I was writing about, or at least right. to provide a perspective as to where I was coming from. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so, um, thank God I did, so he could reach <laughs> out about that, but um, yeah, he was basically, oh, let's do an um, uh, uh, article series where we'll watch a film, we'll analyze it from a queer lens. And we did that in like, this is around like late 2017 when he asked me. And so we, in the beginning of 2018, we started the article series and it was an epistolary, like we're basically like a podcast in written form where we watch a movie. I'd write 700 words. He'd reply with another 700 words and we'd go back and forth one more time. And he had always mentioned turning it into a podcast, like turning this article series, which was called Horror Queers when we started it, um, into a podcast And I kept putting him off. I was like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to do it remotely because, again, he lives in Canada. I live in Texas. Um, I I didn't want to be bothered with it. And then,
3: (laughs) (laughs) and I took a year to grind him down. Yeah. And you take take it away, Joe. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, basically, we yeah, we spent the year trying to figure each other out and make sure that it was going to be a good fit, and every time I would bring it up, you know, we'd figure out another logistical piece, so like, how do we record remotely, what would the format be, what would the hook be, what would the logo be, and then we ended up launching it a year afterwards in January of 2019, uh, and, I mean, I... I think it was a little bit rocky, like a lot of podcasts are in the first little while. Like, we've ended up smoothing out the format and figuring out a good groove. But uh, we always had this idea that we wanted to talk about films that had explicit queer themes or that they have a lot of queer coding. And then every once in a while, we throw in a kind of camp one that we really enjoy. And it doesn't have any queer elements, but, you know, it's got Rebecca's. Rebecca Gayheart's fucking hair, screaming to high heaven. Uh, she's like torturing Alicia Witt. So, how can you yeah, not I, say that that's gay?
1: I think that's the thing too. Like, like we, we, the, the initial concept was yes. Like, we're just going to take films that have like an explicit queerness to them. And granted, while that's cool, and there are plenty of films like that, um, we wanted we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves. So, yeah, we kind of extended it to explicit queer content queer coding or if they have a big queer following like i mean we have we, we have now kind of amassed a pretty decent network of um of queer listeners and so we kind of on our social media channels like for the podcast be at the facebook the instagram the twitter we pay attention to what our followers are talking about and we'll be like okay cool well, there's a correlation here so this is something that we could potentially plug in for future programming
2: and let me just say i've i I'm trying. I, I always get. The, I've enjoyed the the podcast so much. Ultimately, because number one, like I said, it's the the chemistry between the two. So the fact that you actually haven't met in person is so six that one time is so incredible to me because we also you know we host a lot of stuff here in town. We've been doing the show for a mm-hmm. while, so we I always love to hear how a podcast does evolve over time. And then also just the little bits that come out of it, and you get your your own little short-term language and the vernacular that arises, and then ultimately the community that you form, and that's what I love more than anything is the fact that you also give me something to look to during the midweek, and as as, <laughs> as someone that is you know in a in a day now where we need that laughter, mm-hmm. and that's the thing you you guys genuinely make me laugh, but then the insight you also provide as well. When I'm laughing and I'm learning, I feel like I'm cheating somehow. So I've always loved that. So thank you also. Just as someone that listens to your show, thank you for providing that outlet.
1: You're welcome. And that's also amazing to hear. So thank you for that. Um, we we definitely let the movie dictate. So our one of our first episodes was Scream. And when we started out, like, and that's like a big movie for both of us, but like, I was like, okay, we have to have a structure. It has to go like this, 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 this. And it didn't really work for us. Like, I'll just throw that out there. And so we've learned to be a little bit more lactic. We have a basic structure, but we let the movie and the discussion dictate how the episode goes. So, like, you know, you may listen to one episode and it's, like, extensive plot summary with a lot of interjections. Um, Something, like, fun and silly, like Zombievers. Or you'll listen to something like Martyrs, where it's, like, brief plot summary, but a lot of discussion about themes and uh, more analysis and things like that. So... We we try not to hold ourselves to one specific format, just to let so that we can give the movie its due. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So if you would indulge me, then I had a moment. It's very rare with a lot of podcasts where I can actually point you to a physical location of where I was the second I started listening to it. But
3: you all have <laughs> an
2: episode that I even told Genius about this. I was like, oh my god, a podcast gave me an anxiety and panic attack, and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> So, if you could, tell our listeners about your live show. And listen, we've, we've done live shows before. We've done
0: many live shows, and we've had many shenanigans and many, like, holy
2: shits. You know, no matter how much you prepare, you, you've got it structured and what have you, things always happen. So, if you could, walk our listeners through that particular day uh, where you guys did the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 with one Mark Patton. <laughs>
3: yeah so this is actually the one time that we've met in person we had always (laughs) talked about me traveling to fantastic fest to stay with trace and just taking the festival and then it happened to be that they were programming the uh really really great queer documentary scream queen my life on elm street which is the mark patton documentary it's all about yep scream queen my nightmare on elm street god damn it (laughs) we gotta get it right because we really want people to go and actually check out the documentary because it's exceptionally great and well worth your time but uh so he was there doing that along with the two directors uh tyler and roman who are also really great guys they guested on our podcast for the poltergeist 2 episode Mm -hmm. so uh if you want a little bit more skinny on this, you can also listen to that conversation. But more or less, we had coordinated with the festival staff to do a live show with Mark Patton. And it seemed like a great fit because we had put up doing Nightmare on Elm Street 2 forever and a day. Because it's like the most obvious film for a queer horror podcast to do. Like, it's the gayest horror film ever made. Well, and, and
1: also, like, like in, in the year between the article series starting and our podcast starting, like, I think, like, there were, like, 12 queer horror podcasts that, like, popped up in 2018 before we even started our podcast, and a lot of them had already covered Nightmare 2, and so we're just like, we don't really want to, like, do this. Like, like,
3: what can we possibly add to this discussion? (laughs) Yeah. So when we had the opportunity to talk with Mark, we realized that was the unique way to to address it. So we weren't covering the film per se. We were having a conversation with him or like we were actually going through it with him. So originally we were going to do it like a regular episode. So we had like a plot description. We had jokes. We had like all of these things that we were going to do. But we hadn't actually had the chance to really meet with Mark before the show. So we had tried to organize, like, let's sit down. We'll have a drink. You can get to know us, feel more comfortable with us. And he was like, I'm here to make a little bit of money. I'm setting up my merch table up at the front. I've got a bunch of different things. He's, he's just a very, very busy guy. So uh, we ended up being able to introduce ourselves. And then it was like, go on stage and do this live show. Wait. Okay, but so he's, he's leaving this out, too. So, again,
1: it was originally us and Mark, and then about five minutes before we're going on stage, uh, the festival attendee, the festival worker who was, like, coordinating with us was like, hey, so just a heads up, um, Mark is inviting Kim and uh, Robert on the stage, too. Uh, Kim being Kim Myers, who yep. plays Lisa in the film, and Robert Russell, who plays Grady in the film. And we're like, okay, cool, that's great. Like, that's five people kind of
3: crowded but it like is less pressure on us to like keep the conversation going Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was good because at that point it was our first live show so we were like you know what the the more the merrier and this is going to be good we'll probably get a little bit more banter because they're very familiar with each other so it seemed fine (laughs) and people had told us in advance you know what mark is mark patton like he is his own guy he's got a very fixed way that he likes to talk about things like at this point Trace and I had both seen the documentary so we had Mm -hmm. some awareness of some of the issues that he had gone through and how it had it's really like transformed him to have like stepped out of the spotlight Mm -hmm. because he you know was basically kicked out of Hollywood because he was gay and then he ended up like moving to Mexico and all these other stuff like it's in the documentary good stuff But uh, we knew that he had a very specific focus in terms of the way he's been going around the country with the documentary talking about his experiences. Like, he's in control of this narrative. So we got up there and we're like, let's do our, you know, like, a song and dance number. (laughs) And if you listen to the episode, there's about five minutes where we do that. And then it's basically the mic drop heard around the (laughs) podcasting universe where Mark Pratton's just like, no. I'm not going to do this with you. And we're not going to do this today. And and I I think we had been warned. Like, yeah, he might try to like, he You're might try joke. to fight you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not in a joking spirit when it comes to nightmare on Elm street too. Right. So at that point we were like, okay, we are I, just going to roll with this now.
1: I have to come in Joe because he definitely, because Joe, like, he does the plot summary for the episodes. And so he was like kind of taking control. Um, it, I, I was definitely, like, taken aback at first. Like, the, the, the moment when he says, like, I get what y'all do, like, I get that y'all are kind of here to rip, but we're not gonna do that today. And so, it was probably, I think I had notes, and I just, like, threw them behind me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> this is out the window now. Yep. <laughs> I,
0: don't I don't need these anymore.
1: <laughs> it, it, it was supremely awkward. I, I don't really have a big memory of, like, what happened, because I think, I had drank, like, two, like, whiskey on the rocks beforehand, because I was like, I need to, like, loosen my grip, and I, it was just so bizarre, I, I I remember feeling embarrassed at first, because, I mean, you know, like, we're, we're a relatively new podcast, and we're doing this, and we're up on stage, and we had actually been told afterwards that, um, because at Fantastic Fest, you know, these po- these live podcast recordings go on during screenings, and so people can either come to the bar and listen to a public podcast, or they can go see one of five movies that's showing, <laughs> and the programmer was like, just so you know, this is like the most crowded a live podcast recording has ever been in this festival, and we were like,
3: great, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> just that many more people saw us fall on our fucking asses, but, and, um... I, I think no,
1: I, was, I, I and you know if any of your listeners choose to go listen to that one and make the the first episode of our show, um, be aware. I mean that that's just not our that's yeah. not our format that we normally do because it, it definitely became more of um, an interview, like a conversation piece and an interview. Mm-hmm. But I, it worked out for the best yeah. because it did give Mark time to like tell share his story that does complement the documentary very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after like the initial shock of essentially being shut down. <laughs> um,
3: it, it, I think we recovered as best we could. I yeah, was... we ended up getting a lot of positive feedback from people yeah. about, I, I think because it ends up becoming a case for Patton to talk about some of the issues that he's been dealing with. And it's actually offering like really great insight into the history of like queer politics and how, you know, queerness can intersect with your filmmaking and your your craft and that kind of stuff. So it ended up being a really rich dialogue, but, yeah, like, there's, there's a touch of awkwardness in those first couple minutes.
1: Well, and, like, we, we did a, a listener... Uh, God, yeah, listener, sorry. We did a listener survey at the end of 2019, and we asked people, like, what their favorite and least favorite episodes for, and we had quite a few responses that were like, oh, that live episode, because Mark Patton was such a dick, and we're like, oh, it's, the... the the, yeah. A, that's not the narrative we want to put no. out there, right?
0: Yep. And B,
1: it's not the case. No. And we just told people, like, look, if you go watch that, like, obviously in the context of like, oh, what we recorded, like, maybe it wasn't made clear enough, but like, if you go and watch that documentary, you're gonna see where he's coming from and why he doesn't <clears throat> want to joke about that film because, yeah, yeah. some like he, he basically like rediscovered the internet. I'm, I'm sorry, discovered the internet when Never Sleep Again yeah. came out. Um, when he was asked to do that, like they tracked him down to Mexico. And when he started reading all the stuff that people were saying about him over the past, like, you know, two decades, it's, yeah. I mean, it takes its toll on you. Yeah. And so um, when we got those survey results for that episode, we were, we made a point, like, and I think, like, uh, we read them out on one of our episodes and we were like, just so you all know, like, this is, we get why you might feel that way, but mm-hmm. this is kind of the situation that's going on. Because the last thing we want to do is, like, put this narrative that he's, like, not a good guy, which is not the case. He's a very mm-hmm. good guy. He mm-hmm. just has... He has a narrative that he wants to tell and it's his narrative yeah
2: it almost means it like what happens with you guys adds to that narrative ultimately not as even as a cautionary tale because you 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 did so well in segwaying and getting control back it was very impressive and again being that someone has put on live shows in fact we've had a chance we did a q a with him we, many years ago one
0: of our very first um actual i actually i think it was our first interview interview was with Mark Patton at this small theater at the Tivoli and it kinda went the same way. He goes, Okay, this is what we're gonna do. And this is when yeah. he was raising money like for the Kickstarter. Yep. So for the mm. movie. And so he was there was like okay, he's gonna come on and he's gonna talk about it for about fifteen minutes. You guys just hold the Q and A and he wound up talking for, like, about 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah was and great. then, like, yeah. okay, then we're going to – and he goes, okay, I'll talk to you guys for about 10 minutes. to do it Cool. We just sat on the stoop, the steps of the of the uh, theater, and he wound up talking for, like, 45 minutes. Yeah. And it was like yeah. about, about everything. Yeah. And he was just a really down-to-earth, good dude. And he goes, look, he was very passionate. And then, again, like you said, once you hear why, once you hear his stories, yeah, there's no way you couldn't be passionate about what he's going through in, in, in his life at that time. And so, like, yeah, but the fact of it, and listeners, if you would like to hear what we have to say, good luck, because <laughs> we can't find we it. Can't find it <laughs> it dis- disappeared. All, it
2: disappeared. So it's it's out there somewhere in the ether. So Well, and it was so funny, like I said, when I was listening to this and that first bit of awkwardness started kicking in, I mean, my heart started racing. I started getting the sweats and I'm like, oh, my God, this is happening to me. I can only imagine what was happening with you guys? Because like you said, you went in with the, the good intent, all of that, and it just just shenanigans ensued. But you did so well course-correcting.
0: Yeah, if you can roll with the punches and yes. have to change your whole entire thing as you go along, and still it wind up being successful where people are like, hey, that was one of the best shows I liked. The kudos to you guys. You know what I'm saying?
2: I think you all and Robert Russler make a great combination, ultimately. A great yeah. team, mm-hmm. as it turns out. So... Again, so if any of our, you know, of our listeners out there, there are a number of films that you can check out. In fact, honestly, your uh, Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two that was just released was mwah, because that's love that con exploitation there. Wa
0: baba loo baba bam
2: boom. They're, they're playing our song. I can't I can't I wish I could do an iron side. But you know, staying international ultimately, as we've been doing the entirety of the month here of May, we've been celebrating horror comedies and it's appropriate because we started with Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. technically international comedy horror. Yeah. And we're closing with one. With Shaun the Sheep. No, Sh- wrong, Sh- wrong, wrong, wrong. wrong one. Wrong <laughs> Oh,
1: yes. You got two zombie movies, just one zombie humans, one zombie sheep. Right.
2: Put them together. Wow. What do you got? <laughs> so that being said, what was it initially that of all the other horror comedies that are out there, what was it that brought you to Black Sheep ultimately?
3: <laughs> uh i've okay. been dictating a lot of our choices for the last couple of weeks so we we actually did a guest spot on a british australian podcast called movie oubliet and we knocked up one of the films that i've been wanting to discuss forever which is the relic which is the tom sizemore, sizemore middle or one where they yes, bring the, the, yeah. the amazonian
0: thing to the thing and he turns into like a big like rhino yeah that thing is red
3: oh sorry yeah. <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> um so we were like we're, we've been on a creature feature kit because we're also doing a bunch of them for patreon in june so we're going to be covering like deep rising and snakes on a plane and arachnophobia uh, baby and arachnophobia hey. so uh so it seemed only natural when you guys said like hey we want to do a horror comedy and i was like oh my god i've been itching to watch black sheep again because i just think that this film is like a chef's kiss in terms of the combination of horror and comedy and gross-out gore, because mm-hmm. I just love a gross-out gore gag. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny, too, because
1: I, so I, I saw this film for the first time in college, and I remember really, really liking it. I didn't like it quite as much, like, 15 years later, but I still really enjoyed it. But I, I watching it, I was like, oh, this is why Joe likes it, because <laughs> Joe really goes for, like, the dry European humor, although in this case it's New Zealand. Uh, and I was watching this and my husband came out and he was like, is it good? And I was like, oh yeah, it's really good. And he goes, is it better than Zombievers though? And I was like, no, but it's a very different sense of humor. Like yes. Zombievers is, is Black Sheep, but like with American broad humor, whereas mm-hmm. Black yeah. Sheep is Zombievers, but like with more dry European humor. And I, I get why Joe likes this so much. <laughs> Zombieland, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but yeah, very much so. Well, this was a first timer for me. And I this was one ultimately I would have probably confused with like a trauma film initially just based mm-hmm. on like the mm-hmm. description, the box mm-hmm. cover. I think I even mentioned at yeah. one point during the film, I'm like, dude, they're like a, like a bad day away from being a trauma film. But
0: it's the weta oh, the- that mm-hmm. made it and yeah. the humor.
2: Oh. And because
0: it's not there is like the gross out humor and there is like the body humor and the body horror in it. But it's not over the top like a trauma. yeah And of, when you have the... Uh, a fantastic special effects, even the transformations and the the mm. sheep that look real. <laughs> they they look like real sheep trying to eat you. And I was like, that <laughs> sheep's
3: got devil eyes. <laughs>
0: Well, well I- ironically I-
3: enough, some of those sheep are real. They apparently had 50 trained sheep, and 20 of the 50 were, up in in the words of the trainer, quite good. Because sheep are apparently... <laughs> so the, thir- the 30 others? <laughs> apparently sheep are like, are like people, where a bunch of them are just assholes. So you can line them up and get them to do a bunch of things, and then when you go to shoot, they just kind of give you the side eye and tell you to fuck off. So 20 of them were quite good, but they, they intercut a lot of the real sheep with the animatronics, so it's actually hard to tell which Mm -hmm. ones are not real and which ones are real. And then of course there's like the ones that are very obviously fake. And that's part of the joke. I
1: could not tell you which honestly, I thought with the exception of the one that was like attacking Tucker in the truck when he was driving, I could not tell you which ones were fake. I thought they were just big balls of (laughs) wool, like real sheep. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was shocked ultimately of the, not only the kind of the, the talent, but the production design. That it, I, you know, they always say there's elevated horror, and I hate that term, but mm. this is definitely something that could have been just uh, toilet, yes, uh,
0: bottom of the barrel. But I was
2: so shocked ultimately that I had so much fun with it. And again, I think it's um, when you bring in way to like that. And I, here's a question speaking of New Zealand. Have you guys seen, or has it been a while? Have you uh, since you've seen uh, Peter Jackson's *The Frighteners*?
3: It's been a
1: while, but I've seen it for sure. Okay. It- It's a huge blind spot for me, and I I will make a a confession, which may, like, deter a lot of your listeners from me. Um, I am not a big fan of Dead Alive. um, Like, at all. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of (laughs) like... Yeah, like, I appreciate the gore, but it's really... I've seen it, like, three times, and, like, I just... Something just doesn't connect with me. And I've been told so many
3: times to watch The Frighteners and give it a chance, and I've just never gotten around to it. The frighteners is not at all like dead alive. It, it it definitely feels like a more mature version with a lot of the same kind of like horror comedy skills, but it's, it's not. Yeah, it they're not. It's a different in beast. Way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and I mention it because I know Weta worked on almost all of those films, and I mention yeah. that because. My biggest concern was the fact that almost like 99% of the uh, effects that are on screen are all practical in screen.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the Frighteners
2: yep. was when that pra- that transition started where I noted like Peter Jackson and all of them kept start trying to go more CGI. So that mm-hmm. was my initial concern because ultimately, like Genius and I, we both love mini monster movies. Oh, yeah.
0: Monster movies, practical monster Scurries. movies. Sc-
2: Scurrying. is scary. Yes and when you make it practical when it's something that can bite your ankles potentially. it makes it
0: more tangible and makes the fear real and i'm not saying yeah. the fear was real with this with <laughs> man eating sheep but at the same time you felt for you felt the peril that the people were in as opposed to like um, Thanks, Killing or uh, Poltergeist. I mean, that's more goofy. <laughs> I think also the, the fact of the matter is that not only were the special effects great, but you did care about these characters, they, and, and they weren't just fodder to die. Like the fact that you made one of the people afraid of sheep... Right off the bat is well, was kind of yes. brilliant, and why? Because his brother was a dick, and so
1: <laughs> and, and, and because his dad died on the same day. I like, brilliant. it's it's it, I bought that this guy had right. a sheep phobia, right. and it's not something I ever would have said about anyone.
0: <laughs> no, I fell for it exactly. I'm like, okay, I understand why he's afraid of sheep, but like. <laughs> if you would have said somebody, man, that dude's afraid of sheep. It's like back in the day when the Maury show wasn't just paternity tests, it also had like him fucking with people and their phobias. Like if they yeah. had somebody afraid of like cotton balls, they'd have a guy dressed up in a whole suit made of cotton balls chasing the person on the train. It was like that. So if someone's like, Oh, I'm afraid of sheep, then
2: bah. But the fact that you I believed it <laughs> well uh, made it even better. Ultimately, did this trigger anyone with trauma? Because uh, I went through not a the velcro gloves! Well <laughs> I went to a lot of petting zoos back in the day, and there were there were always those rogue sheep, those rogue animals that would go out of their way. To bite you in the ass and yes. knock you
0: down. Yeah, fuck goats. Not all of them. Goats are cool, <laughs> but there was a couple of them that like...
3: But in the midst wait, of, wait, are you talking? Are we talking about the fucking scenes now? Because oh, I wait. will confess that as an adult, I had completely forgotten that a man fucks a sheep and that a sheep fucks a man in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. Yeah, it is.
2: Well, halfway through, but, we, we almost got to that scene in Genius. You actually look and you're like,
0: I said, it's going to get weird. It's going <laughs> to get weird. We can't have a movie. We can't have a well, movie about killer sheep without a sheep shagger in it. That has no, to go into it.
1: It's it's so, uh, uh, I had the hey, I had the same issue this time that I had back in college and it's not I don't know if it's a bad thing, but like basically when the sheep massacre happens at the presentation, I think the movie's over. And then you check it and it's like, oh, there's thirty minutes left of this movie. So because we have to go through the whole where sheep I mean there's obviously this where sheep pepper throughout the film, but there's this whole extended climax with that and it's like, oh shit, it worked for me better this time.
3: But yeah, I it's it's so bizarre. <laughs> I think it's because that that massacre feels like a climax, right? Yeah. It looks mm-hmm. like there's about 500 fucking sheep coming mm-hmm. down that hill and you're thinking, <laughs> yeah. "Okay, wow. Like <laughs> this is the big set piece." But then yeah, you sort of forget, "Oh, we need to deal with all this brotherly drama because yes. that's actually the crux of the emotional right. mm-hmm. story." But it's easy to forget because you're too busy watching that, you know, businesswoman get her intestines ripped out. <laughs>
1: Uh, the fucking, the, 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 the lip rip. I Ooh, the mind. whole
0: thing, the whole, the whole carnage scene was wonderful. I mean, just the practicality and the grossness of it and just the amount of sheer violence. And you don't, ex- the, 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 the juxtaposition of it that a friendly, happy, like thing that you count to go to sleep is the thing that is fucking you up and eating your intestines. And it's also even, it added a little bit to the fear. Not fear, because I'm telling you I wasn't afraid of this movie, but also, (laughs) like, at the same time, if you look at um, pictures of New Zealand and sheep things, that's an actual, like, herd that could come down. Now, I can't look at sheep the same way, because if I see... First of all, if I see... I'm not going to be in a field over there where there's, like, 500 sheep that can surround me at any given time. Fuck all that noise. Second of all, if I do see that, I'm out of there. I'm not going to be like, oh, look at a little sheep, because I've seen enough... Day of the Animals.
3: Yeah. Um, Food of the when the Food animals gather, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Exactly.
0: I love
1: the, the editing, like some of the editing, like the smash cuts, is like, like where like the guy turns around and it's like boom, and there's just two sheep just standing there, <laughs> like staring at yeah. him. Yeah. It's it's there was no dialogue, there's no like sound necessary. It's just like this fucking shot of these two sheep, and it's it's not menacing, but it's like it's trying to be comedically menacing, and so it, it just it, it just works the way that's put together. Some sinister ass sheep.
2: That's what surprised me is the fact that this film does really balance the horror with the comedy for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just reviewed and talked Hell Baby for our last episode, which is oh, all yeah. comedy for the most part. So it was really nice to go back to something that is the good balance with this. Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes you're laughing with the characters.
0: And then sometimes you're laughing at the characters. For example, like oh, when he's trying to go through the thing. Okay, okay breathe. Let's check your chakras now. Yes. Let's check your shockers. And I was like, yeah, be a tree. <laughs> plant roots. And I'm like. That's silly. You know what I mean? Because it's just over the top. But when it comes back into play, even more so sillier, I always appreciate that the things that I think are just one and done jokes come back and be Better jokes in the long run,
1: I think. Yeah, because like when, she, when experience love the experience, name. Uh, yes. experience, experience so when she when she makes the feng shui joke again, I remember yeah. like laughing my ass off ten years ago, and then I this time I was like, oh, that seems kind of dated. But mm-hmm. then they keep running with that yeah. that that kind of like new age mentality for her, and I was like, okay, like in hindsight, like all of this works for me. Like everything yeah. that was happening, I, I I love that character so much.
3: And even when you're just like, okay, I get it, you know, she's talking about feng shui, she's talking about chakras, but then for me, the moment that really worked is when she then whips out that candle yes. in the, yeah, yes, in the underground tunnels. So you're just like, she's packing a fucking candle, come on! But the fact that
0: she's using it because it smells, not so much that it's a practical light, you know, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: it's it's, a, it's like a geranium candle. It like soothes the to body.
0: Her. I her. Meanwhile, I was like, it's it's like a new age descent.
1: <laughs> that, no, I, I, so there were a couple references in this movie that I I thought was like, well, actually, no, I, I, I wrote in my notes, oh, it's very The Descent, but yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, this is 06, this Boy, came man. out like the same year The Descent yes. did, but even the transformation scene, I was like, uh, well, sorry, one of them, it felt very, like it was homaging American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. when it's the shot That's... of space just extending, Aww. and I was like, man you know, whenever people talk about, like, like you, you look at the 2010 Joe Johnston Wolfman or Wes Craven's Curse, yeah. and those are all CGI. Yeah, they, they're, yeah they're, they're all CGI transformations. And then you watch this fucking, like, I'm assuming low-budgeted movie from New mm-hmm. Zealand in 2006 do an effect that's very clearly homaging American Werewolf in London. But yeah. these fucking big screen, like, big studio films don't
3: do that. It's just so bizarre to me.
0: But doing you know, it well, think, too.
3: I think what ended up happening is they ended up getting, like, a bit of a steep discount from Weta because it, like, they recognized that this is a New Zealand film and we want to support the local film industry. So... I I think originally the concept for the film was quite a bit smaller. And then once they got Weta on board, they could say, okay, we're going to kick up these effects because Mm -hmm. Weta ended up having to outsource, uh, they, they put two Australian people on the production team to really oversee all the creature effects. But like, I, I was watching a behind the scenes featurette and like, there is so much work that went into these practical effects. I think they just kept saying, like, let's add more. Let's do more. Let's make it bigger. So I think what originally they had planned compared to what they ended up being able to execute is, like, tenfold over. It's kind of amazing.
1: Can't you see, like, the head of Wedo? Like, like this guy comes in. Oh, sir, another order. Oh, good. What movie is it for? Black sheep again? Are you fucking kidding me?
3: <laughs> We've got all of our people putting artificial hair onto these godforsaken sheep. We've got Lord of the Rings right. to do. come on.
0: We got orcs and dwarves to make, and you guys are fucking around with these sheep. Come on now, chop chop! Priorities, you know.
3: There is an amazing scene where they bring in sheep. They they argue that it must be the most photographed sheep in human history because they just shot every aspect of the sheep, like in close up. Like here's That's, a picture of the teeth, yes. the eyes. Mm-hmm. The ears and so on. So they've got pictures of them doing this, and the sheep is just like, "It's a living."
0: <laughs> Morning, Joe. Morning, Ralph. You know, just like, But it makes sense that because, like you said, these practical things are very homage to American Werewolf, but they're clearly sheep-like. You know, yeah. I mean, like when the teeth, they're not pointed no, and jagged; they're... they're more like brain teeth. And you're yeah. like, and it looks and it looks painful yeah. to transform. Well, this Mm -hmm. is the the most photographic sheep the one that uh,
3: he found the genetically altered most beautiful sheep in the world? (laughs) No, although apparently that sheep was a huge diva bitch that would, like, (laughs) not interact with that actor. Like, they had to spend so much time trying to get a single shot with her.
2: Kept wanting the hay to be separated with long stems and short stems. Very much diva attitude.
3: Wild Uh, grain uh, rice. rice.
2: Right? No, this falls definitely into the where- genre where we've ultimately gone from like werewolves mm-hmm. to
0: where sheep where yeah, mm-hmm. there's been where bears there's been actually too, too recently yes. um there's... have you have
2: you ever seen like a where sloth? like what is were-sloth? the ultimate like where i'm the where sloth dude <laughs> slow
1: bird. man
3: <laughs> i'm gonna plug those were beavers again in zon yes. because that's totally go. a thing in that movie <laughs> Yeah, you can do and, wear rabbits with Wallace and Gromit if you want to go mm-hmm. into uh, animation. Yes,
2: very classy. It it just opens up everything, and I love that it, that it falls this uh, firmly in that whole genre. Um, speaking of all of the practical effects, we talked a little bit about it off uh, off mic, but there is a shot in this movie that <laughs> truly. Is one of those that I, I we have this whole thing where we do is the peripheral viewing where you you're watching the screen but at the same time you're watching someone react to it. And going into this, I didn't yeah. realize that there existed one of these I scenes. For, I
0: forgot how this ended, but you remember how 2019 was the year of the dong. Yes, I think 2020 <laughs> is going to be the year of the mangled dick because we've yes. seen a lot mm-hmm. of mangled dicks movies recently. I mean, very recently. Like I know of like, at least three or four of, I, that I've seen recently, and so yeah, mangled Dickabound.
2: It's So yeah, consider that a warning there potentially. But <laughs> when and again, uh, the the first one I saw was earlier this month was the the film of porno. Which have you had a chance to uh, experience porno?
3: Yes, we have. What'd you think of yes, it? Yes, we have. What'd you think of it?
1: <laughs> I, I, I caught it at South by Southwest last year. It was a midnighter. Um, I liked. Half of it, like half of it, worked for me. It, it I, I really appreciated the penile trauma in it. Um, I, it's a movie where uh, it, half the jokes worked, half the jokes I thought like landed with a thud. I felt like it was trying really, really hard, and it wasn't as clever as it thought it was that that was my takeaway from it now had i been wasted and not reviewing the film because i think i gave it a two and a half out of five for bloody which in my opinion was generous but <laughs> i know it has it i know it has its fans so
2: joe just do you count yourself
1: mud, i guess
2: <laughs> do you find yourself on that end joe
3: uh, I'm probably a little bit more generous but yeah it's the same sort of sentiment where I I think about 50% of it lands for me I like some of the characters but then they also just kind of fall apart and you're like oh is that person still around because we haven't seen them in about 40 minutes but yeah, um, I think it's one of those things where it's uh, there's a lot of promise in it and I'm excited to see what that guy does next because I think it's filmed yeah. mostly well but I also know that it was a very condensed production schedule it was like mm-hmm. we want make a movie we're hiring you you need to start it next week let's go i think even though like i as as we're all
1: movie fans you know this is a movie where the premise is oh it's a bunch of kids that work at a movie theater in the 90s and they don't really sold (laughs) yeah and then yeah they they release a succubus from a haunted film reel it's like that sounds fucking that's like right up my alley i'm Mm -hmm. like i am there and then i'm kind of there and i'm like oh this isn't that funny Mm -hmm. Mm." And yeah.
2: I only ask because, again, this whole month I've seen a lot of films for the first time, and I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot of dick trauma. But he pieces, is. pieces, of course. But ultimately, I've also seen a lot of weird copulation. Uh, Black Sheep <laughs> gave us, obviously, the brother and the sheep. But another one that I also saw this weekend at the Chattanooga Film Festival, I saw the film Jumbo, and I don't I've know.
1: So many things. Okay. okay. I haven't
2: seen it yet, but I had questions. Oh, it's. It's another weird copulation film, and I'm sitting there, so I'm finding like these really weird like double features that I could program out of you know movies like this, and that's what I like really enjoy with films like this is kind of then finding that weird pairing ultimately, the hippie intervention that kicks basically all of the trauma off ultimately. Hippies and hobos and hitchhikers are the ones you got to be aware of. <laughs> from the eighties to even now, ultimately, it kind of started off that whole twenty-eight days later. Did anyone catch that And just in terms of it was like the good intent that ultimately doomed everyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know if that's uh, just, again...
0: Those damn extreme
2: environmentalists releasing, like, horrible shit into the world. <laughs> well, that's what I think you could actually play some satire with this movie as well, potentially. And that's why it works, I guess, mm-hmm. on so many multiple levels on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking through my notes here. Genius? Oh, okay. Um the, let me see here, the, uh, the metalhead, oh, okay, let's see here, they put the, I love
1: how it
0: all ended with the
1: fart joke, it's, yeah, <laughs> oh my god, so fart jokes normally do not land for me, but that, I loved that, <laughs> and, and they mentioned it earlier in the right. film, because it's, it's one of her ozone things, where she's like, oh, like, yeah, it's like the leading cause of, like, holes in the ozone or whatever, and I was like, oh, we're doing like a Chekhov's plot point, exactly, that, Chekhov's fart, it's Chekhov's <laughs> yeah.
0: methane, <laughs> and then we had Chekhov's Shears, that yes, came in early in our
2: Inevitably, this was a movie I'm so happy to have experienced the first time, and it's one ultimately now that I know, based on my good time with it, I'm going to be ideally introducing it to so many other people out there. Um, what would you double pair it with? Or, or, let's see, yeah, what would you, uh, if you are going to program
0: a double feature...
2: I would stay New Zealand, and mm-hmm. I would uh, ultimately, I'd have fun with Black Sheep, and then I'd pair it with Meet the Feebles. Oh, my God. Just yeah, in terms oh of wow. weird, weird puppetry. <laughs> oh, my God. God. It's a puppets, right? Keep, keeping up with the weird copulation, and I, I can't remember if there's any penile trauma in that one, because I inevitably always kind of end up forgetting a lot of it when I watch it, because I'm trying to forget a lot of it when I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Uh I, I was gonna go Peter Jackson too. I was gonna go dead alive. I wasn't gonna
0: go quite meet the feebles, but like I figured, you know, zombies, <laughs> Weta, New
2: Zealand, you know. It yeah. works. Any ideas on uh, Tracer Joe?
1: Um I, I know I've mentioned it a bunch, but I'm going I'm still gonna it say Zombievers <laughs> because it's an American killer zombie beaver movie, and there's also a really good penile trauma scene in that movie yes. as well.
3: <laughs> really is, yes. Weird
1: connective uh, tissue. <laughs> and, and, and it's like 76 minutes, so like the under-90-minute 90, 90 run times of both movies probably yes. pairs well together. Do that it. is right. And let me
2: tell you, the older you'll get, the more you will really truly come to appreciate brevity. I'm telling you, it's, it's incredible. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: what about your double feature?
3: Uh, I think I'm gonna go with a film that I mentioned earlier that Trace and I are gonna be checking out next month. I would probably go with something like Deep Rising. So, yeah. still in the creature feature realm, still doing the horror comedy, but that one's a little bit, I think, more straightforward. So, it would be probably a good palate cleanser if the comedy didn't quite land in uh, flashy. Yeah, Deep Rising mm. is rad. Would Deep, you say? Would no, you say?
2: So <laughs> would you say it's a treat? Oh, it's an absolutely treat because <laughs> Treat
0: Williams is in it. It's a treat.
2: <laughs>
1: I see what you did there. Yes, it's horrible, (laughs) it's
2: horrible. So uh, I guess final thoughts here on uh, Black Sheep before we kind of wrap things up. Again, I am so happy you all suggested this ultimately because again, as a first time viewing, it fits in perfectly with this whole, I've seen that challenge. I've been trying to challenge myself to seek out new films each day. And then secondly, uh, it's a film that I really genuinely enjoyed and kind of grew to love. So Thank you so much on that end there. So have seen
0: a lot of first-time comedies this go this month. I've Giggle seen Mortis.
2: I've seen twenty-two new films since May fourth. Ultimately, Ooh. but hell, just for <laughs> wow. this show, you see
0: a Hell Baby and uh, Black Sheep. Yeah, so it's been good. It's nice. Been, so
2: it's it's my film family, you know, extended and everything. Uh, now, you guys mentioned Patreon. Feel free. Um, what are some Patreon perks that people can find for the Horrorqueers?
3: Uh, so we have five different levels on Patreon. So we have a monthly newsletter and then we do two mini-sodes. One is usually a bit of a listicle, like something that we think is amusing. So I think in June we're going to be talking about the thirstiest guys and girls in horror movies. And uh, and then we usually do like a more serious piece, which is like a bit of a discussion. So this go around, I think we're going to be talking about the recent casting news with Scream 5 and some of our hopes and apprehensions about mm-hmm. the future of fr- uh, film franchises and then we do two main films so uh we'll do like an hour plus on the film talk about its themes but it's not as specifically related to the queer content so it's sometimes films that we want to do normally we'd be doing new releases but obviously (laughs) that's not working right now Mm. Uh, and then we also do an audio commentary each night
0: you had my curiosity (laughs) um can i get a sneak peek of the thirstiest in horror
3: haven't actually recorded that one but we did gather a lot of really great suggestions on our twitter account so uh i was surprised at the yeah
2: i totally if you ever
3: want to gather followers just ask people who the sexiest man or woman or you know maybe sheep is in their horror films and (laughs) (laughs) they'll just come a running
2: it's well you know i contributed to that because i will to this day fight tooth and nail that uh billy and jerry are the greatest couple in horror cinema from Fright Night. They're just... Yes. I Relationship
1: goals. Seriously, but seriously. Um, but you know, and Joe's right, because normally we do do like new releases for the, uh, the two full-length episodes, but because of Corona, we're like, well, let's just pick theme month. So we had Possession Month. We had... Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that month and then the other month and that one month with the i don't know and, and next month and, and june is creature feature month but we're oh, hoping see. really hoping that eventually we'll be because now that more things are hitting vod that yep. maybe yeah. after june we'll be able to go back to our regular mo but Excellent. we'll see what where, where life takes us
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it finds a way as it turns out well well <laughs> and ultimately thank you for everything that you've been doing for the horror community um, it, it really oh, is appreciated, and you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, again, yeah, hell, being a <laughs> being the uh, the socially awkward introvert that I am, my podcast that are on my rotation, you all keep me company. You all are you know by my side in life through the good and the bad. So, like I said, for me, it means a lot. So I really do appreciate that.
1: Well, th- like again, that that. That's so nice to hear. No, it's... <laughs> so I think with podcasting, like you feel like sometimes you're just throwing things out into the void. So, like getting oh. responses like that from listeners is just always heartwarming.
2: No, it's it's appreciated. It's appreciated. So, again, uh, if our listeners are interested, where can they find you online, and where can they find you to support you on Patreon?
3: So you can get our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/horrorqueers. Mm-hmm. Then... Oh, wait, 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 I want to interject
1: because so, y'all say so y'all y'all just started a Patreon. Um, just so y'all, if y'all don't know yet. If you search for yourself and you're an explicit podcast, you will not show up in search results on Patreon. You have to put in the explicit link or Google it.
2: Oh, well, that's into- Well, that that explains a lot. Then, with a genius here on the side. Well, then, that's
0: <laughs> yeah. fucked up. That's some bullshit. Yeah.
1: Like, like literally, if you mark yourself as explicit. So, if you say "fuck" regularly on your podcast, like, if you try to search for yourself in Patreon, you will not show up. It will say like that doesn't exist. <laughs>
0: So, we need to take off the explicit label on uh, our Patreon. We ain't going to change. We're (laughs) still going to be be who we are. We're going
3: to talk about sheep fucking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the the sheep shagging hole. (laughs) Well, I'd like to think like Socrates. We are, you know, uh, corrupting the children out there, whether it is through sheep shagging or, you know, foul language.
0: Between animal husbandry and werewolf orgies. I think we got it, basis covered.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, thank you, both of you, for helping us out here with Black Sheep. And I know here next month, Genius. We're starting, I believe, we were initially going to be doing an entire month of remakes, our uh-huh. favorites, because of the Candyman. Candyman.
0: But Candyman is not. So I think right. we might. We're,
2: no, we're still going through with that, actually. Yes. Yes. It's going to be a little bit later, though. Uh, no, 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 no. When we're going, coming? Oh, Candy. Oh, yeah. That itself. But yeah. a month of remakes. Yeah. Shit, you made me scared. I was like, wait, no, what wait, else can are we, we doing? No, no, no. Can we get
1: a, what are y'all going to cover? Can you give us a tease? Uh, ooh, I think uh, Candyman. Uh, well, yeah. When I, it comes out. I know ultimately. <laughs> not Candyman. <laughs> no, yeah
2: uh, I know we're going to kick off with uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead remake, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I've seen people coming oh, around I on that now. I love that which...
0: remake. I love that remake. Um, we've already done The Blob.
2: That's actually technically our Patreon-exclusive Patreon- commentary. for
0: that year. Yeah, for the next month. Um, but we have a couple of others in the pipe works. We've already done The Crazy, so that one is out. Yeah, um, there's...
2: Actually, shit, I'll just throw it out real quick. What What would you guys, if you were all out there, what would you like to hear about?
3: Mm. Well, we know what Tracy's going to say. Yeah, my, mine would
1: always be the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I think it's a fucking brilliant and
3: awesome film.
2: It's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, you got him
3: started. <laughs> One of the best trailers, too. Oh, it's
1: oh, yeah. oh the trailer oh, yeah. is so good. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> come, come to Texas, Franklin. It'll be fun. That's the only thing it was missing.
2: <laughs> the, the five five minutes of raspberry yeah raspberries <laughs> didn't apparently make it into the draft there well we'll be doing a lot of that and again you know what are some of y'all's favorite remakes let us know on twitter at nightmare junk facebook at nightmare JunkEd, so see black sheep it was great oh absolutely and if <clears throat> while you're feeling saucy you know what the other double feature i realized Black Sheep with uh, David Spade and Chris Farley. I was gonna yes. say with like Chris
3: Farley, right? Damn it! We've
2: been oh, sitting on it the entire time.
0: Fine, uh, that's Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's all hopped up on crack cocaine, Boba and,
2: and it does indeed include one Gary Busey. Hey, yeah, it does, and a bat. Yes, so bat. So poof. until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and we will see you in your dreams. doodle
0: do 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 do.